Hello, bonsoir, and welcome to the Get French Football News Show. I'm Nathan Staples, and joining me this evening are Jeremy Smith and Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Liga gifted out its first piece of silverware at the weekend, and for the first time in a long time, Paris Saint-Germain were not the victors, and that's not even an April Fool's joke. But who claimed glory on Saturday night? All of that, and a look at the Liga and weekend that was after the latest headlines. On Friday night, Lyon got another victory under their belts after the international break with a 1-0 win over Rennes. It was substitute Martin Terrier that gave the away side a vital three points as they continue to hold firm in third place. On Saturday, before the showpiece event, Marseille were 2-0 up but ended up 2 two drawers against Angers. And Mario Balotelli brace gave the hosts a sizable lead to sit only slip away with two somewhat controversial def- uh, penalty decisions, especially the first one as Thomas Mongoni steal both of those goals for the away side. In the showpiece event, Strasbourg ended up lifting the Coupe de la Ligue over Gangomp on penalties. 4-1 during those spot kicks gave the Alsace side their silverware the first since they've reformed a few years ago. On Sunday, uh, the big result happened in Monaco as Caen managed to win for the first time in 2019 as Enzo Crivelli's goal gave them a 1-0 win over the Principality side that lifts them into the relegation playoff place, condemning Dijon to bottom, who lost 1-0 at home to Nice at the weekend. They were down to 10 men before former player Pierre-Lise Melou scored the goal that earned Nice the win. Elsewhere on Sunday, it was Lille who had to come from two goals down at Nantes to win 3-2. All goals coming in the second half, and Valentin Esserich had the chance to make it 3-3 in the final moments from the penalty spot but missed, even though he scored one earlier in the game. Elsewhere on Sunday, Amiel held Bordeaux to a nil-nil draw, while the final game of the uh, well, the Sunday events, at least anyway, as we had one this evening, saw Paris Saint-Germain an inch closer to the league title. They're now two wins away from sealing their league and crown. The 1-0 win over Toulouse, thanks to Kylian Mbappe. This evening, Saint-Étienne have moved above Marseille into fourth after they won 2-1 at home to Nîmes. It was Remy Cabaret that had cancelled out Antonin Bobichon's early goal, while Robert Berich was the man to grab the late goal with 10 minutes from time to give Lever the three points. And that's all for now. But to follow all the news in the world of French football, head on over to our website at www.getfootballnewsfrance.com and follow us on Twitter at GFFN. We start this week with that cup final event on Saturday. And well, we were all pretty looking forward to it, Jez, with it being finally a cup final that didn't involve Paris Saint-Germain. It was... uh, has to say a little bit of a damp squib for 120 minutes until we got to an entertaining penalty shootout where many of us predicted that it would be Gangomp that would be the team to come out on top should it get that far but in the end amounting too far and Strasbourg just kept their nerve in those dying minutes of the of those penalty shootouts yeah it wasn't it wasn't a classic and it's easy to say with hindsight but maybe we should have known it wouldn't be with 
um, one team that's been off form for most of the season, another one that's been um, pretty woefully off form for the last couple of months or so. But um, certainly, I mean, I'd say that Gagong probably could feel, if anyone could feel hard done by, I guess it'd be Gagong based on the, the um, sort of balance of play. There wasn't much in it because there wasn't much going on in general, but I think probably it's fair to say Gangon had better chances during the match. Um, Kamala thought had a, had a very good match and goal for, for Strasbourg, and uh, I guess we'll, we'll come to it a bit later, but for the most part, a pretty good weekend for, for um, goalkeepers. Um, and I guess he, he and um, maybe also Leonard with a, with a cheeky Benenka came out as the, as the heroes of the evening, but yeah, it wasn't a classic, but I suppose with PSG not not being around, it's, you know, it feels like it's such a rare chance for any other team now to win a trophy that um, maybe there was a little bit more pressure on both teams than, than usual. And maybe the, the pressure and the sort of unfamiliarity of the situation got to them. But, all, you know, all credit to Strasbourg for, for the season they've had in general. And obviously, the, 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 although that they're sort of the bigger team on paper or the bigger club on paper. They've had such a turbulent sort of decade or so. And um, considering, I think it's eight years ago, something like that, they, they were in the fifth tier. It's, it's quite an amazing um, rise back up the up the football pyramid and, and you know, sort of just reward for, for the way they've gone down to, down to the Dodgers and back up again. And it's great to see them back in Europe next year. Yeah, and it's, it's been a it was a strange game, really. I, I felt it felt like a little bit like a, a modern era heavyweight boxing fight, not given that these teams are two titans in any sense of the form, but in the sense that they were a bit cagey, they were a bit nervous, they were a little bit too worried about the knockout punch and a little bit too concerned about trying to deliver the one knockout punch that would that would get them the victory that they needed, and it ended up sort of petering out into a nothing affair until that penalty shot where Strasbourg did hold their nerve, Pierre-Paul. And, uh, and much like Jess said, it, it's been such a rise for them over the last um, several years or so, coming from uh, pretty much going out of business and then recovering all the way back to Liga and showing the, the ambition they've got and getting that silverware is something those players are never going to forget. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, it means more to them than it would have meant for Gengar who have won a couple of cup trophies in the, in the last 10 years, even though most of the players now at the club weren't part of that team. Given where Strasbourg have come from, given that, you know, they've had an incredible following, I mean, for their fans in particular, who have who continue to show up to all their matches, even in fifth division, which was just really crazy <laughs> at the time. And to make it back to the top now, it's really impressive. Um, and they've got a bit of a history now as well with the Coupe de la Ligue, seeing as uh, they won it in 2005 and, and, and in 97 as well. Um, so they're kind of specialists in, in that, I guess, a little bit. Um, it was, I mean, I have to say during the match, there was really nothing of note. For me personally, coming off a, a pretty long day, it was it was hard to fight off sleep, but I suspected the penalties would be at the end of my weight, so I kept on going. There was a lot of flying elbows. That's one thing I noticed in both directions. It was it was quite a cagey and, and unadventurous match, and they they kind of took it out on, on each other physically rather than than really trying to go and score a goal. I think the referee had you know some difficulty handling um, some of those fouls and maybe should have 
called them been a bit more severe earlier on in the game. Um, and then, you know, yeah, the penalty shootout. Dimitri Lena, who is a, a club legend at, Stras at, at Strasbourg, who was with them down in the amateur divisions. What an incredible moment for him to score a Penenka and, and, and such a, the Penenka he scored was ridiculous because it was just, I mean, just, un, just under the crossbar. And I think he said it after the game, his inspiration was Zidane. And if you remember Zidane's Penenka, which had, which came off the crossbar and in, it was very similar to that one. And um, yeah, exceptional night for the Strasbourg fans. There were 25,000 of them in Lille. And they put on a show. Certainly the fans of both teams put on a show. Um, and that was enjoyable, I would say. Yeah, it was it was terrific to see the fans really got into the game. And it was, a, like you say, an excellent penenka. That's exactly what you want to see, not the little dinky chips under the yeah. uh, under the bottles. Because even if the goalkeeper stands still, he's going to struggle for that one. As for Gangomp, really, Jez, after this, it's always not the easiest to lift yourselves up after a cup final. And like you said, they had their chances, really, as, as Strasbourg did as well, although they were limited. You, do you feel like th that some of those players may think much like they you tend to reflect on after a big game like this that that maybe they should have gone for it more and and given as we'll come on to in a moment how results went to the weekend in league and that maybe this was a sort of unworthy distraction that wednesday becomes even bigger than it was before the game really that their their focus now shifts to that and that has just as much as much importance as the cup final did yeah, I mean, as a as a Brighton fan, I'm going through sort of similar feelings at the moment. Looking at the chat rooms and the big debate, you know, would you take winning the cup but going down, all that kind of thing. Um, I mean, for me, the most important thing is to is to stay in the top division. Obviously, a cup's a, a great bonus, and yeah, it's true that it's something that extremely rarely happens. But you know, you stay at the top and you get the chance to play those top teams um, more or less week in week out. And I think Gagon had to think in those terms as well. Um, I'm not sure you could necessarily say that they didn't go for it. I think they were a little bit hamstrung by the fact that, that Coco and Dole were both out, which which didn't help. But I think you know, just as far as you can, you compartmentalise and you forget about the, the league position while you're playing the cup final and then win or lose as soon as that match is over. Now they have to be 100% focused. And... Um, Obviously, the, the Dijon match did kind of go their way, but the, the con, con match very much didn't. Um, they, yeah, they have to they have to take the positives out of a very good cup run out. Um, obviously, beating PSG away, which is a huge thing. Um, beating uh, was it Monaco? They beat in the semi final. My mind's still blank now. So, no, yeah. decent results along the way, and they have to take from that belief. Even the fact that. You could say again, 120 minutes keeping a clean sheet. So they're 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 still maintained their their good recent defensive record as well. So they have to take the positives. It's a pity they didn't win, but um, you could you know they count a loss on penalties as a draw, so they can notch it down as another unbeaten match and and just try to to maintain that same form, albeit with a disappointment, and just focus all out on the league now. I think that they've got the players, they should have the confidence and they've got the form to do that, even having um, fallen just short this this weekend. 
Mm. Yeah, and that's it's a tough one to take whenever you lose a cup final because nobody ever remembers second place in these sort of. And I'm I'm absolutely certain they'll be gutted that unlike the uh, the Strasbourg players, they don't get those little mini. Mm. Coupe de la Leagues, which I find really great to be <laughs> to, to a medal. You get to have that on your mantelpiece, the little miniature version of the cup, which I, I absolutely love. It almost looks like a under twelves football team that have won a, <laughs> a trophy rather than the professional footballers. But I, I think we should see it more often. But to each their own, at least. But back to Ligue 1 matters because, as we've briefly touched on there, Pierre Paul, the, the result that really affected Gangon, twicefold really, because they lost the cup final, the disappointment of that, is then compounded the fact that they've gone back into the drop zone because Cole pulled off one of the most unlikely wins of the weekend, although Monaco is still down in those um, lower positions that no one really anticipated that um, the, the side that haven't won since December would get a victory away from home. and But that they've deemed Enzo Crevelier in the goal and a, and a real stout performance by the defence to keep them out. Um, a great goalkeeper performance as well. Uh, mm-hmm. Cole managing to lift themselves out. And we thought they were dead and buried last week, but all of a sudden they, they're resurrecting themselves. Yeah, I mean, if, outstanding result. I, c- I couldn't believe it when I saw it yesterday. They haven't won in 2019. They're playing against Monaco, who... Monaco are, are are still 16th, but they hadn't. They'd only lost one, I believe, since uh, Yardim came back, which was at the end of January. Um, Caen also, well, the the other big news about Caen going into that match was that they had this uh, strange kind of putsch situation going on on Friday, where uh, Roland Courbis, who is supposedly there as an advisor to the manager um, Mercadal. Uh, declared he had, you know, 100% control over the team, which the club then denied later on in the day. And nobody nobody really knew what was going on, especially because Courbis has done this before at Rennes. Um, so that was just an unbelievable situation. And coming off a 5-0 defeat at home to Saint-Étienne, who would have believed that, that they could pull off this result? And uh, yeah, I mean, as you said, Brice Samba with a, a fantastic performance and goal with some Fabulous saves and and Enzo Crivelli with the trademark header of a very nice cross from Faisal Fajno. So yeah, usurping doesn't sound like Roland Kobayashi at all, does it? <laughs> to demand that he's uh, in control of things, but despite that chaos, much anticipated. Um, no, I don't think anyone really anticipated just that that Con would come out of this with a with a victory. But at the same time. This is exactly what Con do. They 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 lure your senses of security. They go off on a on a terrible run and they pick up a win. And uh, you never really know in this sort of game. They've got games against those two sides below them still. They could just slowly nudge out these victories to to earn them the playoff space, or or even very quietly if if other teams above them start struggling, even catch one of those if if it comes to that. Yeah, I, I still think it's going to be between the bottom three. I think that that seven-point gap is probably just mm. about enough now. But uh, yeah, it's, it's bizarre. I think we, we discussed before how over the course of a season you sort of look back and you think, I can't even how how did Carl even amass as many as twenty-three points? I can't imagine them. <laughs> can't remember them being capable of, of winning that many points. But um, they just seem to to win the matches that matter when it counts and uh, yeah probably 
even if they win only two more matches the rest of the season, if they're against Gagon Dijon, it could be that that's enough. But I, I, I think they still need more than that. I, I still think Gagon certainly are capable of getting getting more points. But before before this weekend, I'd have said that Caen of all the teams look. I think I've said it look completely dead and buried. And although I do think Monaco have been flattering to deceive a bit, even since Jardim came back. Um, I would never have put money on Conta in that match. And I mean, I, I guess on, on balance of play, when you look at it, they, Samba was absolutely fantastic. And it, for most of the match, it wasn't Monaco, but it was just one of those matches where, that like, however however long the match went on, they were never going to score. And um, at both ends of the table at this stage of the season, you need huge slices of luck as well. And, can't go that. They got their early goal. They sat back and um, sort of rode their luck a lot at times, but they got those three points and, and they could be absolutely crucial. Um, it may or may not have the bearing on their confidence. I don't know, but it doesn't matter how you get them at this stage of the season. You've just got to get those points. And um, the, the fact that there is this relegation spot makes it a lot more exciting. It gives those teams a uh, sort of second chance to play for. and. Um, you know, whereas we could have sort of packed up the relegation places weeks ago, it's great that we're, we're still, still interested and we've still got all these, um, these three teams still fighting for, fighting for that playoff place. Yeah, and each three of them have sat in one, uh, each of the places in the last three weeks. It went from Dijon, Kong, Gangom to Gangom, uh, Dijon, Kong to Kong, Gangom, Dijon. So it's, it just yeah. keeps moving around in the last couple of moments. And, and looking <laughs> at the fixtures heading into April now, Pierre-Paul, they've got Nîmes away from home, which, you know, Nîmes have been a, a tough customer sometimes this season, but you're not guaranteed to not score against them, at least is maybe the best mm-hmm. way of putting them. And, and Angers, we mentioned on the previous show on Thursday, they're a team that tend to play to the level of their opponents. Nice have had some silly results this season, and then they have that double header against Dijon and Gangon. But it's not completely unquestionable if that gives them a massive boost in confidence that they can maybe try and get some results in before those that Dijon-Gangon double header, and that could then be absolutely crucial to their survival. Yeah, I would say uh, at this point, I would make Kong my favourites out of out of the three to claim that that playoff spot and maybe hope for safety. But I mean, I, I mean, as you said, you know, things can change so fast down there in the in the relegation battle. Um, certainly, I think they have an easier uh, fixture list than Gangon does, even though there's no there's no easy fixtures and when you're fighting for. Uh, to stay up, but Gangon's fixtures, uh, let me just get those up again. In the in April, they're playing Montpellier, Monaco, Strasbourg again, Marseille, and Nice. And that could, I mean, those are all going to be tough, tough matches. Um, and meanwhile, Dijon are in a pretty, I mean, the mood at Dijon is pretty awful right now. I think they've only won one or two matches at home all season, and they lost again over the weekend. So it's it's looking a little bit brighter for Caen, but you know who knows where, what happens next. Yeah, that's the thing. It's strange to think that Dijon was such a homer team last season, especially that they've gone almost completely the opposite way this season. Really, yeah, even, even at the start of this season, they were top of the league after three matches, and you know they they beat Nice four 0 I mean, it was they were all the rave, and then I don't know what's happened since then, but it's just gone away completely. 
dramatic fall from grace and, and yeah. much like we say a gang up play on Wednesday night if they get a win then all of a sudden it, it moves around again and and just more to the point I suppose like we say there's probably a little bit enough of a buffer for any of the other teams to fall in but as for Monaco they'll be really disappointed with this result won't they I know it's obviously a great goalkeeping performance but to lose 1-0 at home against a side that have been so poor of lately and so poor in 2019, it, it, it's a reality check, really, for the for the upscale they've had under Leonardo Jardim in the past month or so. Yeah, it's, it's not a good result for them. I know that they, they haven't really got anything to play for in theory. They, they're not entirely safe from relegation, but I think practically they, they are. And, I suppose it's always difficult to, to motivate yourself for the end of the season when you're more or less safe, and particularly after the disappointing season that Monaco have had. But there's still players there playing for their futures, whether it's at Monaco or elsewhere. And um, yeah, I, I think that, like I said, I, I think they've been a little bit... Uh, I don't think they've been playing as well as their results would suggest that they have since Jardim's been back. And maybe they've been found out a little. Um, you know, even Angers away is not an easy match, but they were relatively lucky to come out of that with the draw. Drawing at home to this Bordeaux team isn't particularly impressive either. And then Lille, they got that. It props to them because Lille obviously in great form, but they got that, that very late um, win there. Uh, so, I th- yeah, I, th- I think they've been a little bit... Uh, not overperforming, but the re- I think the, the results have been better than the performances suggest. So maybe it was a matter of time before they get that, got found out. But yeah, they certainly didn't expect it to be at home to Caen. And um, you know, bad luck or not, a couple of shots that came off the woodwork. There was that one at the end that came off the woodwork and hit Samba's arm or back and could have gone anywhere. Could have gone in, but they shouldn't be relying on that. They should be able to that the team that Jardim is putting out today. Um, should be beating this continent, particularly a continent that hadn't won all year, all uh, calendar year. And um, it's, yeah, I think there's still a lot of work to do. Agreed. Mm, yeah, it, yeah, it feels like we maybe inflated it a little bit, but Monaco certainly have some business to do heading into the, the summer, at least anyway. I think that's where the focus will turn and, and a lot of players need to show what they're worth at least. Uh, on to some European chases now then because a, a lot of the results of the weekend were, were tougher than expected for a few and a couple of moves and shakers and we'll start with Lille Pier, uh, Pierre-Paul because they went 2-0 down surprisingly to a not side that have been pretty lethargic over the second half of the season and understandably so in some circumstances but they, they were really good for for. 20 minutes in the second half, they got their two-goal lead. You thought, okay, th- this is their chance, but it was a real test of character for Lille to get back into this game. Uh, obviously, they sort of won a, a, a penalty as well, but uh, th- they showed the real character to come back and earn that win that keeps them comfortably in that second play- position. When uh, if they had tasted defeat in this one, they would have uh, they would have only been a point above Leon, and that would have been a real chase on. But instead, they come from behind and and make sure that they earn a vital three points. Yeah, absolutely. The word, I mean, the word character is what I wanted to use to describe that that performance. And especially if we look back to the first half of the season where they were they were already in second place, performing very strongly, there was a lot of questions about are they going to be able to carry it on throughout the season? Are they going to have the, the personality and, and the strength and concentration to continue uh, obtaining that kind of result? And they've had some, some tests recently and 
you know, none more so than than yesterday, going two 0 down to Nantes, and 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 then turning it around in the space of I think it was in seven minutes they scored all three of their goals, um, and that's coming off of I'm sure we'll get to the uh, the the Lyon Rennes match which took place on Friday which Lyon won, and very much the the narrative after that match was Lyon was chasing Lille down and seeing as Lyon is usually so strong at the end of seasons at at the end of the season. People are starting to anticipate them catching Lille, but uh, they've put a a you know they've put a kind of waiting period on 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 that event. If it ever happens, it's not going to be for the next couple of weeks now. And um, you know certainly, I think th there there were some silly mistakes from Lille. Um, you know they gave away two penalties. They were fortunate that that Valentin Seric mess, mess, missed the second one, which would have made it uh, which would have been the three three equalizer. Um, so they've certainly got some things to correct, and I think in the first half as well, uh, not everything was working very well. They had to make changes and to take off uh, Araujo and bring on uh, who was it? Was it Leo who came on later? I can't remember. Um, but you know they responded well, and and, and I I'm, I would make them favorites to finish second as well. And. Jez, there has been a couple of question marks over Lille over the past couple of weeks. We've mentioned a few times that it felt like um, Leon may be able to have the chance at catching them because they weren't pulling up trees in the results. And especially with that defeat to Monaco last time out where they, they weren't really convincing and a couple of 1-0 results. I remember against Saint-Étienne, they won in the last moment. Uh, it was a known goal that got them over the line against Dijon. A couple of draws before that as well. It, it was pretty important for them to to get back into the groove and, and score some nice goals as well. And again, Leao's involved and, and Pepe gets the, the penalty and he sets up the, the, the winner. But at the same time, a, a penalty could have ruptured it all. But I suppose the first one's a little bit questionable for not. I might need to see a couple more angles to absolutely convince me that was even close to being a penalty but uh, at the same time it shows that Galtier's not only built a, a, an attack, attacking side but in this late stage of the season where you do sometimes need to grind out results and put in a shift they're doing it yeah it feels a bit like we could look back at this weekend as, as the one that sort of cemented second second and third place um I guess may come, up, come on to Lyon in a bit but it's how that the Marseille slipping up um, really puts that puts Leo in a reasonably comfortable position. I think it, well, we'll go on to it, but um, I I, no, I thought it would be a lot closer at the end of the weekend because I thought they'd really struggle against Rennes and that Marseille should, should have come come away with a win. Um, instead, they, they end up with a, with a bigger gap between them. And then Lille as well. Uh, it wasn't, I mean, not really, not been great shapes in the season, but in paper, it wasn't an easy match. And certainly, as you said, that Similarly to what I said about Monaco, I suppose I think those results in recent weeks have been better than their performances suggest. And arguably, that, that that's still the case, having looked at this non match. Um, but the difference with this one is, um, as Michael said, that they, they really showed a lot of character in this one. And again, rode their luck as well, but that's a big part of it. And that's the kind of thing I think that does sort of going forward, as well as the, the three points for this match, it's that kind of thing where you come out of a match like this unscathed and think, you know, this is our season, everything's going well for us, the fates can't touch us kind of thing. And by the same token, we are going to look at that and think, you know, it looked like we were Oxanto and be a point behind and suddenly we're still four points behind. Maybe we're just never going to get this second place. 
So I think this, I don't know, I mean, Lille have still got a couple of, their next two matches are, are really tough if they if they keep playing as shaky as they have been the, the last month or so. But they, they've got that nice little cushion to play with. And, and yes, second place really is theirs to lose now. I think had they lost yesterday, I'd have said Lyon favourites. But um, I, I think Lille should be able to push on from this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be interesting. I think, like you say, they've got Rast uh, away from home next. That's never an easy game at the moment with the way they're playing. Then they've got mm-hmm. a game against Paris Saint-Germain where PSG can win the league with a the victory there, which puts a, a little bit extra on that as well. And then if that comes to pass and they're close to by at the, at the start of May, they play each other at Lyon as well, which would be a massive game if it does come down to it. And Lyon will be hoping, people, that it does come down to that because uh, again, they've sort of snuck a result. They were a little bit lucky against Montpellier last week that they could get out with a 3-2 victory. And this game against Rennes, the, the, the home side had their chances. Who knew had a especially big one almost a couple of minutes before they did actually score in, in a nice little move. But more importantly, they'll they'll be happy to get the win and they'll be happy to have Genesio's well, at least under the banner for the rest of the season. And he'll be desperate to get them as high as he can so he can stay in the job. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, as we know, as we've been seeing in the past two or maybe even three seasons under Genesio, it seems that that Lyon are particularly good in the in the games that matter. And we're getting at the time of the year where every match matters a lot. And you know. As I mentioned last season, they finished very strongly. They finished with, I think, it was nine wins in their last ten matches, and they overtook Marseille to to obtain Champions League football. The question this year is: Are they going to be able to do that again and uh, and 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 overtake Lille again? Um, and yeah, they they won it. They they took their time to to get that goal. They suffered a lot. It wasn't always the most interesting match, even though there was good chances here and there. Um, and then in the end, the goal came from uh, from uh, Dubois and, and Terrier, who were uh, substitutes. Well, Terrier was a substitute, and so the fact that he comes on and scores the winning goal uh, it kind of highlights Genesio's coaching, especially in during this time during which you know there was um, well his his role as manager has been contested by some of the fan groups. But the club seems ready to comfort him and make him sign for another two years. So it's good news for, for Genesio. And then, of course, you know, they're going to meet again. This, the same two teams meet again in Lyon this time on Wednesday in the, in the Cup. Is it Wednesday or tomorrow? It is tomorrow. Tomorrow's tomorrow. game, actually. And, yeah, so I, w- I would say Lyon are still favourites in that one and they have a chance of... Of winning a trophy for the first time in a few seasons now, in since 2012, I think. So they'll, they'll probably be rather pumped for that as well. So uh, I suppose the best way to lead a question for you, Jez, and, and Pierre Paul set me up perfectly, really, is what would you prioritise as Leon, really? Is it more important for them to, to win a cup or is it more important for them to finish second and have that automatic Champions League place for them? <laughs> you know, it goes back to, to what we were discussing at the, at the start of the program. Um, I don't know, for Lyon, it's a little bit different because they should be winning or certainly competing for trophies. So if if they had to choose between the two, possibly in this case, I would say, and with, I think, third place safe, um, 
possibly I would say prioritize the, the cut, but I don't I just don't think that they should have to make a choice. I think they've got a deep enough squad. Um Ren won't be easy, but they've got the home advantage there. I think it'll be a massive disappointment if they don't get to the final. Then they can look after you know, concentrate on the on the on the league position and then um they've proven before that in a one off match they more than most have got the potential beating of PSG. So um if they had to prioritise, I'd say the cup. But I just, I don't think. I think it's a moot point. I don't think it's a question of, of prioritising one over the other. Yeah, I suppose it's it's a bit of a cheeky question for a, a bigger side to ask for because they're really they should be competing there anyway. That's their bread and butter, rather than saying that they they would have to pick and choose between the two. And we we've touched upon it briefly, Pierre Paul, that, that Marseille at the same time had a chance if. Leon did slip up to try and close the gap, but if anything, with that result they've got against uh, Angers, that has now dropped them down to fifth after Saint-Étienne's win uh, earlier on today, uh, well, this, well, this evening really, um, has pretty much put Scarpa to any Champions League um, chances. That's got to come as a real disappointment for them, hasn't it? Yeah, for sure. They're now eight points behind Lyon, so that's eight points behind with eight matches left. That's going to be a a difficult gap to to catch up. Um, the satisfactions for Marseille, I think, were were not very numerous. I mean, obviously, they're delighted that Balotelli has scored again, um, scored twice this time. For that's his first brace. But uh, it, apart from the goals, it, it seems that he kind of struggled to to truly play with with the team. But that, I suppose, is is kind of a Balotelli trademark. He he gets you his goals when he's on form, but you don't necessarily count on him at other moments in the match. Um, there was some, there were some terrible defensive mistakes from Marseille, and the two penalties um, they gave away. I mean, I think you said there was some controversy, maybe, but, but to me, they looked a bit silly. Yeah, I, I think, I think. Marseille fans yet again might say they're controversial, but in the end, they're penalties. But do do continue, people. Yeah, and um, you know now they're down in in fifth place. Could be sixth place if if Reims beat Strasbourg on uh, on Wednesday, and I think that would certainly be a, a a demoralizing blow, not only for the team but also for the fans who, as we know, play such an important role in Marseille, in the atmosphere, in the stadium, and so on. And um, if they were to wake up on Thursday morning and, and, and find themselves in sixth place, yeah, I'm not sure they would they would be feeling very positive going into the next fixtures. Yeah, and it, it sounds like it, it's getting more and more like a summer of upheaval for them, Jez. We've mentioned before that a number of players may be looking at the door and a number of players may be shown the door more than anything. But now there's reports that there could even be uh, people in the in the back end um, showing not necessarily showing the door, but finding a way out, maybe a better way. As a, as a, the sporting director Zubi Zaret has been linked with Arsenal this evening. It looks mm-hmm. like it, it, their sort of second choice over over Monchi, who's ended up going to Sevilla. If he does join Arsenal, what's his legacy at Marseille? He came in after being sacked up from Barca at 2015. He, he did a fairly good job there some would argue not always the perfect job but but a decent job but it's a difficult legacy to, to hold behind they've not had a lot of money for a, a, a fair amount of time on that Jess but 
He's brought in a couple of decent players. It's been a, a difficult strategy, but nothing that would really inspire Arsenal fans. No, nothing at all, if you ask me. Um, I think he was overrated as a goalkeeper. Um, and I'm not <laughs> sure really what he's done as a sporting director. Okay, he did all right at Barcelona, but the, 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 still the, the main spine of that team when he was there were, were Barcelona players born and bred. So he didn't really have to work that hard there. And, um, you know, ask any, ask any Marseille fan as overall. I don't think they've been particularly happy with the transfers that have come in over the last two to three years. And, and if, if the buck stops with him, if he's the sporting director, then, uh, he's got a bit of a cheek sort of saying, I want out because, because I'm fed up with, with, with what's going on in the club. Surely, um, he, he has to take some of that responsibility. Um, but, yeah, Monkey didn't have a great time at Roma, but obviously joined them with a great reputation. Overmars is, seems to be very well thought of at Ajax, so Arsenal would be a bit frustrated if he's decided to stay there. But yeah, as an Arsenal fan, and certainly after the, the, the Sven Mizintat, um experience, which I don't think was particularly successful either, I would, as an Arsenal fan, I would not be particularly excited at all about Zubazaretta. Um, I can't really point to you, know, you could say that maybe um, Coletta Saar will prove to, to have been a, a really great buy in the future. But aside from that, Luis Gustavo has done well, but I can't really think of any really great transfer that they've made. Um, even Balotelli, okay, he's, he's come and he's done well in January, but the whole fact of him not coming in the summer was a bit of a farce as well. That, that, that element might not be down to Zaretta, that might be more down to Viola on one side and Evo on the other and, and more financial issues. But I, I can't I can't think of any reason why a Marseille fan would look back at Zaretta's time there and say, yeah, that was a success. Mm, uh, sort of looking back at Barcelona before that for, for Arsenal fans, yes, there's, there's certain players that have come in under his stewardship are like Neymar and Luis Suarez, but I don't think he's necessarily the ones at the, mm-hmm. the spearhead of those moves. But at the same time, they've had a couple of players like Mark Anders Stegen was brought under his stewardship. They they brought in Jordi Alba back at, 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 that, at that time as well when he was in charge. But uh, like Sanchez was signed under his reign, but then you look at other players like uh, Alex Song, you look at Claudio Bravo, they didn't end particularly well. You look at... Some people that you might have forgotten were even there, like uh, Douglas, Thomas Vermaelen barely played. Uh, Jeremy Mathieu was a strange signing for them, at least in terms of looking for centre-back. So, uh, in in a sense, Pierre Paul, it's, it's looking sort of mainly on it, his, his reign while he's been at Marseille. I suppose the excuse that Arsenal fans were trying to look at themselves is he has been a little bit hamstrung by the, the budgeting issues he had in his first couple of years, but now he has mm-hmm. had a, a little bit more to spend in, and you look at the signings, especially maybe they've made this summer and this January, they, there's not a great deal of inspiration there. I mean, you, a lot of players, they've brought in a lot of old players, a lot of experienced players, but it's difficult to see where they're getting real contributors from. Yeah, I agree. I, I would be a little bit concerned about Arsenal showing interest for him. Um, I mean, because in a club like Barcelona, you know, he's he's not he's not the only one making decisions with regards to transfers. That's certain. They they, you know, there's they certainly have a whole team and and a, a number of opinions and, and and different kind of 
uh, authorities having a say on this and and he probably i think he made him he made himself a name working with that team but it's not the signings they make don't necessarily come from him, him specifically at marseille it's a little bit complicated as well because he's he's also been caught in between you know a number of strong personalities uh whether it's rudy garcia the manager or 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 the president the acting president jacques henri hero or the owner who's also quite involved frank and court and you know everybody has their say everybody has their opinions in terms of transfers and as you say there's budgeting difficulties and and there's and they struggle to agree amongst each other and and to agree with to agree with other clubs as well as we saw with the whole balotelli transfer saga and and the uh the kind of strange failed negotiations with the with the um the directors of 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 nice and it, it seems to me that arsenal have very much been trying to tap into the kind of big names in terms of sporting sporting directors, which I'm not sure if that is a necessarily the most calculated way of, of approaching the subject, because as you said, they 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 first had Sven Mislintad for one year, who's now gone, tried to get Monchi to replace him, and now looking at Zuida Zareta, and these are all I think for, for a sporting director for guys like like that like them to be famous it also comes from a a will of being famous and of getting their name out there and i'm sure there's a number of competent people out there who who you know could do work of of similar quality or better and who we don't necessarily know and i'm i'm not quite sure why arsenal is focusing on the, on the big names specifically yeah, so it's always an interesting balancing act because, like you say, do you go for the big name? Do you go for the uh, the, the sort of smaller one? Do you do you maybe go for for someone who's been a manager before? Do you go someone that's mm-hmm. had a little experience or had a good link with the club? It's such a awkward yeah. one to try and roll for. I, I think they that if they do bring in someone like Zubizarreta, I think you need a a. Someone underneath him, like you're saying, there, Pierre Paul. Someone, someone associated with the club. Someone with a, a little bit less experience, maybe in terms of uh, managing those kind of roles, but someone who can learn and, and is a bit younger and ha- knows the philosophy of the club and and has a bit more of that sort of style, much like a, I suppose, a Bayern Munich sovereign in that sort of way. Do do something like that to to give them a bit. But I don't see why the interest in Zubisaretta is there, and I, I'm pretty sure Jez will will back that to the moon, really, because now they've also been. Yeah, go ahead. I just also think it's. I mean, if you take the monkey example or the or the Overmars example, I think it's probably fair to sort of compare Arsenal in a way to a Sevilla, or, with all due respect to Arsenal, to a Sevilla or a Roma or a um, or an Ajax, Barcelona, or Barcelona. I mean, they they can look at the the Suarezes and the Neymars and sort of click their fingers and get anyone they want. The fact mm-hmm. is that Arsenal can't at the moment. And, and again, they're, they're probably a, you know, a bigger draw than Marseille, but Marseille is still a draw, a draw as a club. And so I think you have to, Arsenal should be looking at the Marseille Zubizarreta rather than the Barcelona Zubizarreta. And I think that should be ringing alarm bells. Yeah, it's a, it was mm. a, 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 that 
happens maybe it's sort of the, the force they want to do because it, you have to take some of these things with, with a little pinch of salt but, but before we come on to our sort of league and snapshots I, I do want to chat about um Santetian who did win tonight I, I know we've not really been on tv to watch unfortunately just so um, we've not really been able to catch it but a, a great win for them and much like we mentioned on Thursday they looked and battled and out of it really a couple of weeks ago after an indifferent sort of February and early March but two victories and results going their way elsewhere has really put them back in the fight. They're, they're in fourth. They've got a couple of games coming up against Amiens and against Bordeaux who look, well, played each other at the weekend and neither looked particularly happy about it or, or, or talented about it. So it's a great chance for them to try and build a little bit of a lead now with Marseille having some some other tough games coming up if they, if they are playing launch like they did at the weekend. This is a, a great chance for Lever to get themselves back into Europe now. Yeah, and I, I caught a little bit, and the, the, the last goal was, or the, the winner was a little bit controversial, but I think it was, it was given for offside and then VAR reversed. It was reversed on VAR quite rightly. It was a, it was actually, although he was sort of all by himself on the, on the six yard line, it was, it was a clever finish by Berich. And yeah, I, th- I think they've recovered from those blows of those sort of, those late defeats and the, um, the, uh, the, season-ending injuries for a couple of the players. They're, they're gradually bedding in two or three very talented young players as well. And mm-hmm. on paper, and especially with teams like, I think, Marseille slipping up and Nice always going to drop points by virtue of the fact that they're, they're not scoring enough, um, they they should be able to challenge, certainly, for, for a UEFA League spot. And whereas a lot of their, their players are sort of, I think they blow hot and cold, people like Hanuma, Cabela, Kazri, I think that the fact that they've got enough of them, you'd hope that at least one or two of them are going to turn up each match to do the business. And they, they don't have the hardest of run-ins at all. Um, so, yeah, I think I think it's very much in their hands. I, I do feel like, although they, they've still got a lot to play for, it feels like at Marseille, everyone's just thinking, I can't wait for this season to be over and we can sort everything out in the summer. Um, as I said, Nice, in a way, similarly kind of, Let's just get to the summer unscathed and just do everything we can to bring in a striker who can actually score goals. So I think Saint-Étienne are, are sort of better set up to, to, to push for that full spot than any of their rivals by sort of disrespecting us by, by ignoring them a little bit. But I think Saint-Étienne have, more, have got more about them than us as well. And mm. I, th- I think that they should be making that full spot theirs. And, if they don't, I think it would be more them throwing it away than anyone sort of doing anything special to, to overtake them. Yeah, and, and Pierre-Paul Rance will be the team that will be chasing them. Obviously, they'll play on, on Wednesday night, so we'll talk a little bit more about them on our preview show when we gang on playing Montpellier as well. So it's interesting to think that both of them will be fighting, but in the case of Rance, over the sort of turn of the year they've been even more exciting rather than defensive now and if anything it's a great opportunity for them although at the same time looking at their running at least anyway they obviously play Strasbourg yeah. on, on Wednesday in their game in hand but there's games against Lille against Monaco against Saint-Étienne themselves they've got PSG in the last game of the season as well which could be a gimme if PSG have sort of already sent a half, half of this squad on holiday by yeah. that point at least anyway but at the same time it's it's going to be a tough running, but they have an outsider's chance at least. Yeah, certainly. And I mean, it, it, it's really hard to judge, you know, how far they can go because it's it, it, it's just 
it's crazy seeing them seeing the the performance levels that they've obtained that they've attained this season. I mean, if you compare it to to uh, when I saw them in 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 Ligue 2 last year, they were good, but let's say two years ago, it was kind of dreadful. It's incredible how far they've gone in in just two years under under the manager David Guillon. Um, and yeah, as you said, they they added a an important offensive element to the to their game around January. Um, you know, in the first half of the season, they were very strong defensively. They they had a series of of nil nil draws, um, and they were you know they were keeping clean sheets a lot, which is a, a little bit less the um, less of the case now. But they have been scoring a lot more. They scored four at Montpellier. Uh, they scored two at, against Marseille, um, four at Toulouse. That was in the cup, though. And you know they brought in some interesting players um, at the front. Arber Zanelli is, you know, he's become an instant hit with the fans. He's a the cost of an international who was he had the most assists in 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 the Dutch league um, in the first half of the season before he came to Reims. So that that was quite impressive for for Reims to to uh, snatch a, a player like him and um yeah as, as you say my two concerns would be the fixtures the the opponents they face because they've avoided some of the bigger teams so far in the in the return fixtures also they're they'll be playing twice in um well they're playing on wednesday and then they're playing on sunday wednesday against strasbourg sunday against lille and i think sometimes they struggle when they have two two matches so close to one another when they don't have a full week between two matches. Um, but, you know, Strasbourg have extra time in, in their legs after the uh, after the cup final from Saturday, whereas Reims didn't play this weekend. So I think they, they can get a result there. Lille would be a, a little tougher, possibly. Yeah, and if you want to keep up with all your Arbors and Ailey content, just see uh, when Jez sends any links to me over the, over the point. Keep an eye on my channel because <laughs> I, I get plenty of them from him. Uh, let's <laughs> let's let's go on to our, our Liga snapshots to finish off then, and I'll start with yourself, Jez, this evening. So, what's the story in in French football that we've not talked about tonight that that everyone at home should hear about? Uh, can I be cheeky and make it a league best snapshot? Go ahead. <laughs> Um, just I'm being parochial again. I started with Brighton, so I'll finish with Mess. Um, they they had a sort of top of the table clash against against Lovingor, who started the match in third place. Bizarrely, it was a, a Sunday afternoon, Sunday lunchtime kickoff, which is a bit weird for the but a really impressive two-one win for Mess. Um, probably much more comfortable than the score suggested, um, which is even more impressive when you consider that that Unget got sent off quite early, so they played about an hour with, with 10 men. Um, they're now, I think it's, I think from memory, eight clear from sec of second and 11 clear of third. Um, they only need probably three more wins to be assured of league as, uh, of going up to league as. And uh, obviously I'm biased, but yeah, I think they've been, although not always the performances, their, their solidity and the, the, the kind of team spirit that Antonetti has built has been really impressive and if they can maintain that and perhaps bring in one or two quality players maybe they've got a fighting chance of actually staying in league for once no that's not a problem bring back that uh, that derby against Strasbourg that we enjoyed last season let's have a couple more of those it'd be great to see them uh, back in the league uh, Pierre Paul what, what's your snapshot for this week 
Well, I'm also going to uh, part ways with Liga, and I'm going to talk rather about the women's first division because something quite exceptional happened this weekend. Lyon actually dropped points. It's the first time they 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 drop points against a team that isn't PSG since May of 2016, so almost in three years. Um, they drew 1-1 with Fleury, which is a sort of mid-table team. Um, you know, maybe they were a little bit tired after their their Champions League fixture against Wolfsburg last week. Um, and the title race is now is is on because PSG won against Rode, who are last in the league, 3-0. And in two weeks, well, this week they go off on international break. France play Japan and Denmark. And then the week after that, Lyon play against Paris. They are tied on points. Uh, it's the third last match of the season in the league. So essentially whoever wins that match is going to be champion. Both teams are undefeated so far in the league. And if it's a draw, Lyon will almost certainly be champion as well because their goal difference is much higher than Paris's. And that's something exciting to, to look forward to. French women's football is always a, have a good standard as well. My Liga snapshot, uh, I'm sure many fans will want to hear about um, this tonight, really. that uh, the, the reports, at least anyway, nothing confirmed as of yet, that Ander Herrera has signed a, a pre-contract agreement with a with Paris Saint-Germain, it, it almost seemed like initially, at least anyway, it was a ploy to, to sign a new contract at, at Manchester United. It's supposedly his wage demands are pretty high for for the standard. It's, it's a difficult one, really. I think he'd be a really great squad player for Paris Saint-Germain. He's a great squad player for Manchester United, for, for one thing, even though he's a, in the main three at the moment. Many would say that it's it's a place where they could possibly improve, but he, he's a great worker. He's, he's someone that puts in a shift, even if he does annoy opposition fans and opposition players sometimes maybe is the best way of putting it with his some of his antics, some of his bits. But he, he if should he join Paris Saint-Germain, he reminds me of, of something I've mentioned a few times about players that add to these champions winning teams, these, these teams that need a player like Ander Herrera that you can ask anything of and he'll perform it to the most of his ability at least and give you a consistent performance a, a 7 out of 10 most times I'm thinking of a, of a, a modern era, well at least in modern era, I'm thinking of a James Milner at Liverpool, I, I always point back to, to Park Sun at Manchester United, a man that you could just ask to do a job and he'll do that for you much like he did that marking job on on Eden Hazard last season for for Manchester United when they needed a a result he he marked him out of the game he's that kind of player whether he's at the standard to be a a permanent fixture in the regular starting lineup of Paris Saint-Germain is a is another in question entirely given the the other talent they've been looking for and I'm pretty certain if he does come in he'll be not the only player Paris Saint-Germain bring in the midfield but uh should he join, he'll be an exciting addition to, to Liga for a number of reasons, not just because of his uh, his ability on the ball, but also his, uh, his ability to stir things up is maybe the best way of putting it more than anything. Uh, that's all that we have time for uh, this evening, at least. My thanks to Jez, uh, Pierre Paul, and all of you listening mm-hmm. at home. Uh, do join us for the preview show that will be back on Thursday, and the main show will be back here at the same time, same place next week. Abianto, and goodbye.